0: You're listening to a podcast from Victory. True manhood is Christ-likeness and is expressed in Christ-like character. Learn more about this message in week two of our series, Imago Dei. Evening everyone. I'm glad to be here with you and we're trying our best to be able to preach from the Word of God uh, to you in our worship service. We'd like to welcome you. This is our way of uh, expressing our hearts and equipping our people, the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, to learn how to reason from the scriptures in the midst of a chaotic culture as far as people's status and identities are concerned. Today, as a preacher, I draw out my authority from the scriptures. Some people, they take their authority out from themselves. Whatever they think is right, whatever is in your heart, whatever you think about yourself, that's the authority. And people dictate their lives through what they feel and what they think about themselves. And it's very common in our culture, even in movies, believe in yourself. So therefore, people's authority is drawn out from themselves. Others, they draw out their authority from the culture. And we all know what's happening in our culture. And whoever wins the culture wars are going to be the ones who will dictate the tone of our culture. Whether it's in the West or in the Philippines, we have that going in our mass media, in our online media and everything. You see this happening around us. Now, some people also, they try to draw out their authority from tradition. Tradition is dictating on how they live their lives. And so therefore, in our nation, for example, we are a very matriarchal society. Unlike in the West, usually it's patriarchal. You can see people, mostly men, you know, going for championship and competing in sports and, and so on and so forth. But in our nation, it's very matriarchal society. We even have in our culture, way back before the Spanish came, the pre-colonial era, we have babaylans in different towns and, and villages who are basically the local shamans. They're the ones who are bringing uh, local healing and, and, and trying to call forth the spirits and so on and so forth. Usually these are female, but if there are men, usually they were feminized men. And so if there are men who are hungry for power they'll end up acting like a woman in order for them to get that authority of being a Babylon. Now, that's tradition. But today, I come before you with uh, humility. And I, you may agree or not agree, but the point where I'm drawing my authority from is from the Word of God. And I hope that uh, you know, we will agree that as we go to the Scripture, study it together, that we will be able to establish a good foundation in our lives. There's sometimes a disconnect between our belief system and our application of this belief. And, you know, preaching is one of those, preaching and teachings are the ways in order for people to develop theology and belief system. But at the end of the day, when we get to our small groups, when we get to our offices, when we get to chat with somebody, the application of our theology sometimes would show up or not even there at all. I'm hoping that in the spirit of the mission of God for us, discipleship, that we'll be able to help one another, help one another bring this theology into application in our lives. And my hope today is that you don't just form your theology and your belief system through the preaching, but let it be applied in our daily lives. Let, let it shape us. And the way we relate to one another in our everyday lives. Today I'm gonna to read from these passages of the scripture talking about authority of the scriptures. Turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter one, verse 26, 27, and 28. I'm gonna go jump also to Genesis chapter two. You know, sometimes there's a very general topic, but usually in chapter one it's so general, but in chapter two, it starts magnifying some of the details. And so I have to connect it to chapter 2 today as we read our text. And let's all stand as we read God's word together. Genesis chapter 1, This is the word of the Lord, and it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Chapter 2, starting in verse 18, and it says... Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he will call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And while he had slept, took one of the ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man had made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is the first uh, love song in the Bible. When the man saw the woman, he couldn't help but sing. But here's verse 23, and it says, The man said, This at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to come together and hear the word of God. Wherever we may be, we may be in the hospital, Lord God, uh, helping somebody. Wherever we may be, listening to this message, may our hearts Be changed and be transformed through the power of the word of God. For it is living and active like a double-edged sword. And it penetrates our hearts, the bone and marrow, and even the very intentions of our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that your word is powerful. Let it continue to transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say a big, big. Amen. 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 Go ahead and take your seats. Tonight... I'd like us to see the different aspects of manhood. This is not a men's meeting. Next week is not women's meeting. But it's good to know whether you're a, a young lady here or a, a, a mother or, or a woman, you're here today. It's good for us to hear some of these aspects. And if you're a single person, at least you would know, you know what you're looking for. Next week, men, don't absent yourselves because that'll be your opportunity to see what the Bible has to say about women. It's going to be exciting. But there are three aspects of biblical manhood that I'd like to lay out before you today as we go straight to the scriptures. And the first one is companionship. Companionship. And companionship has something to do uh, with the establishment of the gift of marriage that God has given to male and female. And this companionship is what really uh, directed and became the basis for marriage. If you look at the verse I've read in chapter 2, verse 18, it's "It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, this is an amazing text. This text that you've just heard, verse 18 of chapter 2, is the basis for marriage. When he saw man doing his job, naming the animals, and the Lord saw him, and he was alone, says it's not good for him to be alone. So he caused him to deep sleep, and the Lord has taken a rib out from his side, and from there came a woman, and now the Lord has given the woman to the man, and when he opened his eyes, he saw, wow, man, woman, all right? He saw it, and he couldn't help, he sang. Now, having said that, companionship became the basis of marriage. And, and this is uh, the scripture. You know, I, I just want you to know that marriage is not a social construct. Marriage was not in, invented by the Philippine Constitution. Marriage is not from United Nations. It did not come from the West. Marriage came from the scriptures. It's a gift of God to mankind. And so, therefore, we have something to say about it. Though we hear a lot of, you know, comments in other aspects, other areas of society, but I want you to know, as I've said, I'm drawing my authority to speak from the Word of God, and here's the Word of God talking about marriage. And it's good for us to have a healthy view of that. Now, I want to go and jump to Genesis chapter 1 and see Verse 27 to 28. I'd like to see the correlation between the two here um, as I talk about uh, companionship. Verse 27b says, the later part of verse 27, it says that male and female, he created them. Is that clear? Is that in the passage of the scripture? Male and female, he created them, Verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and what? Multiply and what? Fill the earth. He's talking about when he says being fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, he's talking about children. It's not just go and make disciples. It's not just go and be successful in your career. But he's talking about children and generations to come and fill the earth, multiply. Now, somebody spoke to me a while ago and says, uh, Pastor Ferdy, I have, a, I have good news. What's the good news? I'm pregnant again. Wow, great news. And she was just so excited about it, eight months pregnant, and she was excited about it. And Basically, it's a a fulfillment of this mandate that the Lord has given us here in Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-eight. He blessed them and says, "Go and multiply, and uh, multiply, and fill the earth." Now, verse twenty-eight is only made possible if verse twenty-seven is correct. The premise of verse twenty-seven ought to be in order in order for verse twenty-eight to be applied. Now, what did it say? Verse 28 says, go and multiply. And it can be done because the parameter has been set in verse 27. What's the parameter? Male and male and female. It didn't say male and male, so therefore, go and fill the earth. It can't be. It cannot happen. There's no procreation. You cannot fill the earth. It didn't say female and female, then I'll bless you and you'll have all of this progeny, all these children. But it's very clear. He says male and female. He didn't say males and a female. He didn't say, you know, male and females. It's very clear. The parameters have been set. Male and female. Not three sums, four sums. Some, some of you are thinking, "Oh, buty three sum. look at them. there are three sums, there are four sums, me, I'm lonesome, handsome. But, but that's not the point. The point is that the parameters have been set, and he says, male and female. say, male and female. Yeah. And it's very, very clear. And this can only happen because these are human beings, same substance, but distinct. In other words, male, female. Say distinct, okay? If it's male, male, it's not distinct anymore. It's same. It's the same. I'm trying to explain. I'm trying to dig into the, into the text in order for us to be able to see it in contrast to what's happening around us. It says male and female, same substance, distinct, male and female. If it is same substance and not distinct, then we have a problem. Now, it may be male or female, let's say distinct, but not the same substance. Now, we have a greater problem. They call that in the dictionary bestiality. But we see the order. It has been already set from the passage of Scripture in verse 27. I'm sorry, I have to say those words just to drive a point. The point is found in verse 27b that says male and female he created We don't have to talk about whether they've been made in the image of God. They are made in the image of God. We talked about it last week. Both of them express the image of God. Both of them, male and female. And that's a beautiful thing. And so therefore, out of this male and female come this passage in verse 28. And this is uh, just amazing. In In our culture today, we have different reactions in this area of gender. And it's just so sad. Some are, some are so condoning. They're basically saying, you know, it's okay and all this. There are some who are condemning. On the other side of the spectrum, they're condemning. And you see that happening. You see this photo right here, another extreme uh, reaction. And these are happening around us. But I want us to know that, you know, this is not about making a point. God is calling us to make a difference. And part of making a difference is through the scriptures. And the scripture is very, very clear about this, and it speaks of the scriptural definition of gender is male and female, it's binary. That's what the scripture is talking and uh, speaking and saying in this passage of the scripture. And having said that, I'd like to share with us that, you know, some of us, we, we kind of isolate this area of homosexuality and approach it and think that it's so bad that we try to label people if they have that issue and problem in their lives. But on the other side, if a person has more than one wife, they have two wives, three wives, we laugh. We even vote them to office. Are we here? And so why is the hypocrisy happening in our culture? We look down if a person is struggling through in this area, but in this area we laugh and we accept it. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Who elevated this sin as higher than compared to all the sins? Who made that conclusion? That's not fair. We're like a vessel. Uh, If I'm just holding a vessel right now, and and we're like a vessel, and, and it fell on the ground in a concrete ground. As soon as it reaches the floor, you could see in slow motion. If you have a camera, and you look at the slow motion of the different pieces, it will spread like that and go to different, different places around that area. And you know what? As human beings, we're like a vessel thrown on the ground and broken. The issue is we're broken differently. Say broken differently. We're all broken. Because of sin in Genesis chapter 3, we're all broken. And brokenness is dependent on a person. It's not all the same. We go through life, and we face different brokenness. We come out from a broken family. Some of us, we come from a, a complete family, but the relationships, there's so much dysfunction in that family, and still we have that brokenness even in the area of relationship. And so we are all broken, but broken differently. Some, uh, they have same-sex attractions. Some, you know, they're already married but it's a struggle with her eyes. Are you here with me? Now Your wife is there, and you're struggling with your eyes. How many know that man needed to be slapped? Right? And why? Because that man who is married already is broken differently as compared to that guy who had a different attraction. Are you here with me? And so I'm saying this out of compassion. I plead with you. You know, we have already established male and female, but in our hearts... We, we were broken differently in our minds. When we're broken differently, I hope we we'll extend compassion to one another rather than judging one another. We laugh in this area and we judge in this area. There's this what we call sexual uh, temptation, for example. And some calls it sexual attraction or sexual orientation. But nevertheless, it's temptation. Say temptation. How many of you here believe that Jesus was tempted, but he has never sinned? Jesus was tempted, but he has never sinned. Matthew 4 verse 1 says, the Holy Spirit had led him to be tempted. Could you imagine the Holy Spirit leading Jesus to be tempted? And we see in Hebrews where the Bible says, he was tempted just like, like us, but without Sin. Look at those three words at the last part of the sentence. Yet without sin. Sometimes we we have this struggle, but it doesn't mean you've already behaved it or put into action as far as what you're feeling is concerned. If you put it into action, then that's sin. The same way in this area, when you live this out, when you behave what you've been feeling, then you're sinning. But temptation per se is not sin. It's like birds flying over your head. Humong you can stop the birds in flying over your head. You can't. You're walking down the park and the birds started flying over your head. Some of them, they make, you know, you know as they pass by, right? Like, what is this, you know? But I want them to tell you this. You can stop the bird in making nests on your head. Are you here? You can stop it in flying over but you can stop the bird and making nests in your head. The same way with temptation. And I, I hope you understand where I'm coming from, where this is, this is a reality in our world today, and yet the scripture has already given us the parameters in order for us uh, to be able to respond well. And if you're here and you're, uh, you're struggling in this area, we are here for you, and we're gonna continue to pray for you. If you're here and you're struggling in this area, would like to come and pray and stand with you and believe God to live victorious life. Some of you, you've stepped out from that dark world and you entered into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. I have a very good friend for more than a decade. We have gone through a lot of things together. I have served him. And he has served me. And we've been friends all these years. But I heard about his situation His marriage didn't work out. And I was so sad the entire week. What I'm going to do is next week, I'm going to fly out and visit him. And it's not because that thing happened to him. It doesn't mean it's not, you know, I can't come and help him anymore. I don't want to treat him like a leper and say, how dare you separate with your wife. But I'm there for him and with him because this is what spiritual community is all about. Are you here with me? This is what spiritual community is all about. We are here because we want to help one another. If we have together, then I believe that we can conquer and fulfill what God has called us to do. If you are, a, if you are single today, I just want to let you know that hearing this message is healthy. It's good to hear the foundation of marriage is from the Scripture. It's not from the Philippine Constitution. How many know it's good to hear that? And also, I'd like to uh, mention to you that as single people... Uh, we're called to be in a community. And the same way with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is in community, our image, and our likeness, the Lord says. And three persons, one God... It's a, a community in itself and one good thing about being single is we have a community right here. Filipinos are very much into fellowship. We love fellowship. We fellowship here before service. We fellowship during the service. We fellowship after the service. We fellowship in the lobby. We fellowship downstairs. We fellowship when we look for... I mean, we fellowship and it's nice and that's the beauty of a Christian community and whom of you are glad you're part of this community right here? I'm so glad you're part and... and you know, if I'm single, I'd love to be in the church. Where can you ever find, besides children church, I think you can find a beautiful relationship in church. That's healthy. We were made in the image of God, and we have community, and we're glad we have a community. And yet at the same time, the goal of life, if you're single here, the goal of life is not marriage. It's quiet in here. The goal of life is not marriage. The goal of life is to be Christ-like. You don't act around as if, you know, I've been waiting and looking for my other half. Why? Well, because my other half is, you know, it's like an Oreo cookie, you know? I'm the other half, and I'm looking for the other half of that Oreo cookie. Because he, he had the vanilla. Oh, really? Not really. We don't act that way. Why? Because we are sufficient in Christ. If you're married, thank you, Lord, you're married. If you're married, then you're showcasing the shape of the gospel. As Christ loved the church. It's a shape of the gospel seen in other passages in the New Testament. So once again, I I just don't want to move to the next one without addressing the singles who are listening to this videocast. And those of you who are here. Second, second. Second aspect of of manhood, biblical manhood, is not just companionship. That's why the Lord has established marriage among male and female, but headship. Headship. A husband leading as he lays down his life to serve his wife. Headship is very important. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, as you look at your passage of Scripture, you see there how Adam was naming the animals, and yet in the midst of this, there's no suitable helper for him, and the Lord has provided for him. And, and, and out of this came, from his rib came a woman. And I'm glad that the woman was taken from the side, not from the head, because if the woman was taken from the head, I'm sure that woman is going to be smarter than you are, man. There are women who are smarter than men, but what I'm saying is, I'm just glad women were not taken out from my foot so I can stomp on them and abuse them. Thanks be to God that woman was taken out of the rib of a man so that they can walk side by side with mutual respect and love. I hope you're not daydreaming, but that's the picture. That's the picture of what marriage is. And, and yet, because... You know, some people says man is having the headship because of the order of creation. He was created first and then woman second, as far as human beings are concerned. But nevertheless, the scripture has told us the same passage in the later verse of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. It says, therefore, a man should leave his mother and father and be united with his wife and they'll become what? One flesh. How can two become one? One flesh. And that same passage has been repeated four times in the Bible, one in Genesis, the one we read, one in Mark chapter 10, and one in Matthew chapter 19, if I'm not mistaken. And in Ephesians, when when Apostle Paul was writing it, he's talking about the husband loving the wife and the husband being the head of his household, just as Christ is the head of the church. The Lord has just, he just did the, the sequencing of the order of leadership. Just as Christ is the head of the church, husband, you're the head of your wife. And there's that headship. In other words, men, you're called to lead. All of us are called to lead. I told my daughter growing up, I told her to take charge. I told my daughter to take charge. I didn't tell my daughter to submit to any man. I told her to take charge in class, in playgrounds. To take charge in serving others. And that's amazing. We have to learn leadership across the board. But in a husband and wife relationship, though, the Lord has says, as Christ is the Savior of the church, let it be, husband, be the head of the church. The problem in Genesis chapter uh, 3, verse 6. You know what happened in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6? He picked the fruit. And he got it so beautiful to the eyes and good for food and, and she ate it. And then what did she do? And she gave some to the man. In other words, the man was not meandering in the river trying to swim. No, 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 no. The woman wasn't doing it secretly The man was just right there besides her because the Bible says she gave some to the husband. The husband has been watching all along, watching the conversation all along, but he had not do anything. You know, in our culture today, they made a conclusion that the main problem of men today is passivity, passive. And I wonder why. The social scientists probably are trying to, you know, why is it? Well, it's been mentioned in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, where men had been so passive all along after the fall. And so the challenge then is for us men to lead, lead together with our spouse, and our relationship between our spouse will be a showcase to the world of Christ loving his church. Basically, it talks about the gospel. And so, uh, to, to our single who are listening to this uh, videocast, and to those of you who are here listening to this, no single woman ought to submit to any single man. This is about marriage. If you are a single lady in the house, and there's a brother who is kind of asking you to submit to him, please, he is acting unbiblically. If he tries to force himself and says, you submit to me, the scripture says, now that's wrong context. Why? Because the, the idea of headship is in the framework of marriage. So no woman ought to submit to any single guy, even to any married guy. When that day comes and the guy says, I do, and you say I do, that's it. Then we see the beauty of marriage. Now, the last one, stewardship, we're going to close with this. So we have, here are the aspects of biblical manhood. Number one is, what's number one again? Companionship, Companionship, marriage. Number two talks about headship, leadership. But the third one talks about stewardship. Stewardship. What did the verse 28 say? It says, and God blessed them and said, go and multiply and increase in number, fill the earth, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. So in other words, the Lord is welcoming us. He has a mission for the universe in the entire creation and he's asking Adam and Eve to come and join him in this mission. Today, the Lord has a mission to this earth and he's asking the church to come and join him. So what, what, what is our part? Whether you're a woman or a man, your part is to be a good steward of God's creation and he's welcoming us to join him and be good stewards of creation. And that's our calling, you know, and it says subdue the earth. Before Eve came, he's been naming the animals. He's been trying to advance God's kingdom and he's doing his best. And we see that mentioned in chapter 1, chapter 2, but he lost it in chapter 3. But thanks be to God, it was regained as mentioned in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 to 8, that the Lord has given to man And he regained and captured back again the dominion over creation, the stewardship over creation. And thanks be to God that we are in that position to advance his kingdom. And we have that uh, stewardship to make sure that it is applied. As I close, I want to speak to uh, once again to the singles who are here and to those who are listening to this. I'd like you to know that you don't have to be married to fulfill your destiny you can fulfill your destiny while you're single. Now, do I want you to get married? Yes. Invite me in your wedding. But that's not the point. Don't tell me I can't fulfill my destiny and be a good steward of God's creation without a mate. Why? Because I have a community. I have a relationship around me. And, And so that's the beauty of the church, the beauty of being together, and yet at the same time, the Lord has given us Uh, at this opportunity to be stewards of God's creation. I mentioned that we are all broken differently, but I want you to know, just like a kinchugi, a Japanese vessel can be picked up again from the floor, and they'll connect it with varnish and all these things that they connect with powder gold or silver or platinum, and they put it and mix it together and connect those little parts that that are broken differently and put it into something that is so beautiful that can even be sold higher than the original price. The Lord is a God of second chances, and he can make us whole again. That's the power of the gospel. So I say this to us today. Biblical manhood is basically reflecting Christ-like, Christ-likeness, and the gospel, and in and through a man's life. And I want you to know that this is the gospel. God is a God of second chances. That He is able to make us whole again through the power of the gospel. Amen? Amen? I want us to bow down our heads and close our eyes. Father God, thank you for this moment. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to um, come and, 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 and talk about what the scripture has to say about some of the concerns and questions we get to see in culture, we get to see online, we get to see in newspapers, and we get to hear on TV. But Lord, in the name of Jesus, we don't draw our theology out from what's happening around us, but we draw it out from the Word of God. And Lord, give us the grace and the wisdom of God to apply it in our daily living. Remove the disconnect between hearing and doing. Lord, give us the grace to hear and to take heed of your word and apply it. We may not be perfect in applying it, but we grow as we move along and we become more like Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this person on the left and on the right. Thank you, Lord, for this person on my back. Thank you, Lord, for these men and women. Thank you for the great men and women listening uh, to this uh, podcast. And we're grateful uh, that you're able to change hearts, transform hearts through the word of God for your word active, living, and and like a double-edged sword that penetrates our hearts, that able to transform us and become more like Christ. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You just heard a message from Victory. For more messages like these, visit victory.org.ph or follow us on Spotify at VictoryPH.